Hi, welcome to the Recovery Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Miller. I'm a stroke survivor and grateful recovering alcoholic. And today I'm going to talk about stinking thinking. And this is otherwise known as alcoholic thinking to those people who are uh, in and out of recovery programs. Um, So alcoholic thinking. I mentioned it yesterday. And um, so I wanted to look into really what it is. uh, Because uh, from what I understand, alcoholic thinking can happen to us after we stop drinking. And so the term dry drunk comes to mind if you've ever heard of that. So I'm going to talk a little bit about all of these things and um, circle back to my stroke recovery and the types of stinking thinking that I'm dealing with today and how I have been dealing with it. Um, So the stinking thinking (laughs) that, um, wow. Yeah. I mean, this is loaded. So I'm, I'm really going to provide some examples of just what it was like, what it was like for me. So once I put alcohol in my body, things just start declining. Okay. To say the least. Um, when things start declining, I lower my standards to meet them. And I kept lowering and lowering my standards till I'm at the point where I'm just not even meeting the requirements of a responsible adult or human being. Um, when I put alcohol in my body, my motivations change. No longer is am I able to look at my role in absolutely anything. If something was wrong, it's always the other person's fault. And so I was thinking, uh, one thing, a memory that came to me today was Back when I was married and we had gone out, I don't know, out to a bar or something in the evening and my brother-in-law was driving us and, um, and we got pulled over by a police officer and All I really remember from that event is me yelling from the back of the car at the police officer in his car to the extent that the police officer said in his loudspeaker, the young lady in the back of the car needs to quiet down or she's going, I'm going to take her in. She's going to be arrested. That's all I remember. And it didn't even, you know, and I remember my face going, Ooh, 
you know? Like, I wasn't even taking life seriously. So putting alcohol in my body, I mean, the people that know me now, (laughs) I'm sure that they would be like, what? That I would act like that. But I did. I was just a completely different person. My life revolved around excuses to go on binges. Um, I remember taking a trip to Florida with, with my boyfriend and some of our friends, and it was just an excuse to be able to drink 24 seven with other people. Like if I was on vacation with other, with my friends, then their drinking behavior would be more like mine. So people on vacation, uh, when we're younger, tended to drink more like my drinking on a normal day. So I would find excuses to be in those situations so that I would feel more like I was around, you know, that I wasn't the only one who drank like that. I remember when I was in college being snowed in at a friend's house and we were snowed in for like four days. I'm sure we only were actually snowed in for two days, but uh, we just quote unquote couldn't get out of the house for like four days. And I remember us just sticking all of our beer in the snow and we just drank, I mean, drank for days on end. I don't even remember sleeping. It's just fascinating. And those were like my fav- my absolute favorite times were when I could drink like that and other people would drink like me. But when I was not on vacations uh, like that, I was drinking like that anyway. And I would end up, this is just terrible. All of this is terrible. But um, I mean, I got to the point where I just wasn't even changing my clothes. I wasn't Uh, taking a shower. I was working at home. All I needed to do was go to the bus stop and back. So I would, you know, wear my sweatpants and a, and a t-shirt. Who knows if I even, I think there were times where I just drove the car down to the bus stop so that I didn't get out of the car. Um, so I didn't have to change at all. Um, you know, so if I tried to control my drinking, then I didn't enjoy it. And if I was enjoying it, I couldn't control it. I got to the point where I just, I couldn't drink anymore, but yet I couldn't not drink. And I was drinking over everything. Absolutely anything that happened in my life, I was, you know, it was an excuse for me to drink, whether it was a good, a good thing or a bad thing, you know, Um, anything that happened in my life. If I was sad, oh, I had to drink over that. If I was happy, oh, let's celebrate. If I was nervous, oh, I just need to calm my nerves down. 
So it was just anything I was feeling. I couldn't process my own feelings. So I drank in order to numb it. So, so I really wasn't having any feelings. So I didn't have to deal with anything. And more and more, I, you know, I mentioned that I felt like everything was everybody else's fault. And I just turned into such a judgmental person and just, you know, finding faults in other people when it, things, their lives didn't even have anything to do with me. It was really disgusting. Um, I, I did not recognize at the time that there was nothing a drink could make better, but yet I tried to make everything better by drinking. And I didn't see that when I had something that was going wrong and I drank, I couldn't see that it wasn't making the situation better. I couldn't see that it might possibly have been making the situation worse even. The thought of not drinking on a holiday was just preposterous to me. You know, I spent, I mean, when I woke up in the morning on a holiday, the first thing I thought of was how, again, this was a great excuse for me to be able to drink like everybody else was drinking, or I should say, everybody else was going to drink like me. And on Christmas morning, we would wake up and have mimosas. And what they didn't know is that when it wasn't Christmas morning, I was still having a drink. Uh, Sometimes I would even make my own little mimosa using orange juice and wine. Um, you know, I, it's just on Halloween, my excuse, I loved to sit outside and drink for hours on end, sitting outside and watching all the little kids come up and get candy. It was so much fun for me, but it wasn't, it wasn't so much anything but the wine that was sitting next to me. And so when I finally got into the, the program, when I was introduced to the program, I was told that I needed to admit complete powerlessness. And I didn't know what that meant. And I didn't know what it meant the first time when I went into detox. I knew that I wasn't paying my bills. I knew that I was a couple months behind on my mortgage. 
I knew that I was sifting through change in the house to have enough to buy alcohol, but yet wasn't paying my credit card bills or anything like that. Like I knew that life was unmanageable, but I didn't see that it was because of my drinking. Um, I never did sit down and calculate how much money I actually spent on alcohol, but it, I'm assured, is thousands. So believe, you know, believe it or not, financial, financially, I was able to start paying my bills when I stopped drinking so much, you know, but I was months behind after that. So anyway, my financial security is, uh, is a whole another story. But I had to do something different in order to kick off a chain of events that included change. And I remember like when I was drinking, especially in college and like in my 30s, I remember going out with friends to a bar or, or you know, having a big throwdown or something and waking up in the morning hungover and, the you know, everybody's all groggy and like wants to go out and get McDonald's and get some greasy food and all that stuff. And, and they're all like, oh, I am not drinking for a couple days. Never once did I think that. Never once did I think that. The worse I felt in the morning, the sooner I had to pick up a drink. And more often than not, that's exactly what I did. I would just, before I even had breakfast, you know, before the person even came back from McDonald's, I already had uh, a drink in my hand to, um, to make my hangover go away. And it did. It just went away. Um, immediately. I was, I was so defiant. Um, when I'm thinking about kicking off that, that chain of events that included change, I couldn't get past that initial defiance where alcohol, it was like I had blinders on. There was no, I couldn't see anything but that box of wine. I couldn't see anything. And if, if anybody wanted to ask me to do anything that would keep me away from that box of wine, I, there was going to be some sort of excuse. Um, I can't, uh, no, I'm not going to be able to because of this. Um, you know, it was it was never a consideration even that I would show up if I wasn't able to have my alcohol with me. I even remember going camping with my girlfriends in my 30s. And, you know, we would everybody would bring their drinks like beers or whatever they were drinking. And I would bring my, my box of wine, but in order to, um, 
bring it inside the cooler because it was so big. It's one of those five gallon ones. I would take it out of the box and just stick it into the cooler. And I would call it my wine bladder. And I would just stick it in the cooler. And I would sit there and drink from this bladder of wine while we were camping. Um, So if I were to take away that wine, take away the alcohol, it would have taken away my identity. That's what I thought. I thought that that's who I was. I had no clue who I was without that wine, that I had a a personality without it. Um, it just was all consuming. It, it, it's so difficult to articulate the magnitude even, um, it strips away any sort of rational thinking. It, I talked about illusions yesterday. I had a distorted perception of everything. I would convince myself that things were true that weren't true. I would... I would damage my relationships with people because I I would interpret what they were saying in one way, period, and I would then close my mind to any sort of argument that what I believed that they said to me was any argument what I would close my mind to any argument that oh yeah that what I thought they said to me wasn't true and I would not commit to anything I you know just like I didn't want to do anything that would keep me away from that alcohol I also didn't want to you know if somebody were to ask me oh, do you want to come over? We're going to go to a play or we're going to go out to dinner. I would always leave this like door, leave the door cracked for me to get out of whatever it is because I never knew if I was going to be hung over or if I would feel like it, you know? Um, And that was just putting that box of wine first. And... I, I heard today in an article uh, I was reading on the internet that multitasking to, his, to an alcoholic is ruining different aspects of our life all at the same time. I thought that was interesting and, and so true. Um, and stretching the truth about how much we drink, stretching the truth. It's lying is what it is. I went, I can't tell you how many times I went to the doctor and they said, well, how much are you drinking? And I would always say about three glasses, two or three glasses. Well, that's just plain old a lie. It, it was not even 
cl- in the neighborhood of how much I was drinking. But it made me think about uh, a neighbor that I had. And she used to always, we used to joke about this. She would say that she only had one glass of wine, but would leave out the fact that the glass was like 18 ounces big, you know? Um, well, I, I wouldn't necessarily, yeah, I lied to everybody. I was going to say I didn't lie to everybody about how much I drank, but yeah, I don't think there was anybody who truly knew how much of that box of wine I was drinking because you couldn't see inside the box. Um, I just know how long a box would last and it was not very long. And, um, so I was living with, with blinders on. I was always feeling sorry for myself. I felt like a victim, like, oh, well, he said this to me and he did this to me. I, I never considered the fact that I may have played a role in my relationships going bad. I got to the point where I was just turning away from and ignoring all my responsibilities, appointments, um, ignoring my bills, um, you know, not getting my car inspected, all of those things that we have to do as an adult and as a human being, I did not do any of that, none of it. And I remember my poor daughter, uh, Let's see, it was her, I don't know what year of school it was, actually, but I remember the school calling me before the end of the year and said that I needed to turn notes in for all the days that she was late and had missed, uh, or they weren't going to, I don't know, close out the year for her or something like that, and because I just ignored it, that I had to do that. Um, so alcoholism is this, they always say cunning, baffling, and powerful, because what it's doing is it's, it's infecting the mind of the person carrying it. It's, it's a wonder that anybody is able to get sober because it's doing everything it can to live inside you. You know, it's like, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of COVID because what COVID, as I've heard COVID like mutating and and getting more contagious and changing the way that affects people and all this stuff. COVID is trying to stay alive, right? It's going to do everything it can to mutate and stay alive. As many times as 
we come up with vaccines and boosters and stuff, it just continues to mutate to stay alive. And that's what alcoholism reminds me of. Because it feels like in my body, as I've been sober for seven years, a little over seven years, I feel like this stinking thinking, this alcoholic thinking, it mutates over time. And I mentioned yesterday, my disease is progressing, even though I'm not taking picking up a drink. If I were to pick up a drink today, I would be, you know, seven years worse off, even though I didn't spend the past seven years drinking. And my alcoholic thinking lives on inside of me as well. And I, as I, as I experience my stroke symptoms and what I'm facing right now, I have to be very aware of that alcoholic thinking that still exists inside of me. Um, it's, it's, it's an all or nothing kind of thinking that I was back when I was drinking, I was, I was willing to give up everything in order to save the drink. And today, I have to give up the drink to save everything. It's like wanting to be in a constant state of pleasure. Like our body, that euphoria that alcoholics feel when they drink, their body has this desire to be in a constant state of pleasure. So it's possible to stop drinking, but continue to have this alcoholic thinking. And that's what people call dry drunk syndrome. And it basically means that you're not drinking, but nothing else has changed. All of the behaviors that the alcoholic engaged in while they were drinking, they still engage in it. So making poor decisions, um, destroying relationships still, just by being inward focused all the time, you know, making making poor decisions because because you can't fast forward the tape and see the effects of your decisions. Living in today, very much like when I was drinking, I was living in 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 the in the glass. I was only living in the glass. Once that glass was empty, all I was thinking of was where I was going to get the next one. So dry drunk 
syndrome also includes an inability to handle emotions. And really the cause is you took the drink away, but you didn't treat the underlying problem. You know, I don't drink because I'm divorced. I don't drink because, uh, you know, this person passed away in my life. I don't drink because of anything that happened in my life. I drink because I'm an alcoholic. But that obsession to drink, it's a symptom of underlying problems. And if I stop drinking, but yet I don't get any treatment for my underlying problems, which I've got some, I've got some problems. You know, if I'm not taking my uh, anxiety medication, if I'm not going to my doctors, uh, if I didn't go to my addiction therapist, I would have just put down the drink and I would have been absolutely miserable absolutely miserable. And today I am not, I'm not miserable. Um, I, the only time I think about alcohol for the most part is when I go to my 7am meeting. Um, and when I do my podcast, because I'm letting myself think about these memories Um, in order to not go back there again, to remember what it was like, so that it's not like that anymore. And so uh, I was just relating to all of this research that I did today about dry drunk and stinking thinking, alcoholic thinking. And I thought, what am I thinking today in my stroke recovery that could be considered stinking thinking. Um, What would be categorized as like my alcoholic thinking? And so I listed a few here. I've got um, a little bit of self-pity, the poor me. Why am I the one who has, you know, vision impairment and can't, do all of these things that I can't do, Uh, especially when I'm like doing something simple, like walking, you know, walking down to the mailbox or taking my dog over to the school to run. Um, This morning, I or maybe it was yesterday, I was wanting to get her running Um, a little more because she was kind of just walking around. So I tried to take a few steps um, looking like I was running for her so that she would kind of kickstart and start running across the field. And those are times when I feel a little self-pity because I have to stop myself from running because it doesn't feel good in my head. Um, Just like walking doesn't feel very good. Running definitely is worse because it's not only just the earth moving in front of me, but 
it's bouncing and the earth moving in front of me. So that doesn't feel good. Um, so that's one thing I experience. Blaming others is another sign of stinking thinking. And I can't help but admit that I continue to um, ricochet back to this idea about, oh, it's that daggone COVID vaccine. If I didn't get that COVID vaccine, I wouldn't have had the stroke. You know, if I, you know, these these doctors won't admit that it was the COVID vaccine that gave me the stroke. And, um, oh, I heard that, you know, I heard this or that about the COVID vaccine. And, um, you know, just right now in the news today, they're talking about a surge of hospitalizations and deaths due to COVID and how they're going to have a new booster coming out and stuff. And, and I just keep thinking uh, resentfully about, I don't know who, COVID? I mean, I'm sure we're all resentful about that. But um, what's not healthy is that I keep thinking about why I had the stroke instead of dealing with the fact that I can't change that, you know? So blaming others. Isolation is something that I have been experiencing um, the past few days, I've been to my sobriety meeting in the morning and have not been opening my mouth and sharing. Um, that's unusual for me. I know that it's important for me to open my mouth and share, and I've kind of shied away from that a little bit the past few days. So I think that that's correlated with uh, a sense of isolating myself. Um, and I've acknowledged that, so I'm going to make an effort to, um, to start sharing again. And participating also in the meeting before the meeting, so everybody joins the meeting a little early, and we're all like, you know, talking about what's happening in our lives and stuff, and laughing and stuff. So um, opening my mouth during those times as well. Uh, stinking thinking, indulging in thoughts about how great life used to be. Um, you know, I did that last night. I took my dogs out to go to the bathroom before I was headed up to bed. And when I went outside, there were all these people outside and I could hear people laughing. And I looked across over to, uh, somebody's backyard where they had all these, lights hanging and laughing and I could smell the uh, somebody was grilling and I was thinking how much I missed that you know when I was having parties and 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 I was thinking about the drinking part about what about missing that it wasn't you know I was also thinking about just missing having my kids home and having all their friends over more so than me having any of my friends over. But I was thinking of that also, but yeah, more so the kids having uh, them over and having their kids over and stuff. And I was just thinking about the drinking and how carefree life was. That's what I was thinking. But I just finished explaining earlier in the episode about how that life was not carefree. It wasn't at all. 
I just made it seem that way because I was drowning myself in alcohol. I was drowning all of those cares in alcohol and responsibilities. So that's interesting. I'm glad I just said that out loud. Um, there, I, I'm experiencing a little bit of lack of satisfaction. So um, I really have been enjoying all of my... Um, my hobbies that I've been participating in lately and my sourdough bread was just one of those but you know what after I made the sourdough bread yesterday morning and we took a bite of it and it was delicious and I was like yes I did it and I was all proud of myself and walking around with a smile on my face I sat down and I was like well that's done I mean, can you believe that? I was just like, all right, what's the next thing? And that's the lack of satisfaction. What's the next thing? Um, and so obsessing about things. It's like I have got to have something going on all the time. And I know that that is not how other people function. I I'm quite certain of that. Like, I just can't seem to turn things off and settle down and and just sit. Um, but I'm learning. You know, I'm learning. I'm trying not to beat myself up about it. But that is some of my stinking thinking. And uh, a little bit of difficulty breaking negative thought patterns. I've been having some real issues thinking about life and death and I'm I'm really I'm continuing to teeter on the edge of thinking about needing counseling for it because I I'm just really obsessing about it obsessing about death and 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 life and what's going to happen to me and what's going to happen to my family and and it's it's not healthy that I can tell it's not healthy so um, that's some of my stinking thinking um, but I know that the answer so the answer to stinking th thinking the stinking thinking is guess what it's what I always say willingness willingness to continue to reach outside of myself for help and continue to pick up the phone and call people. And, uh, and I've just been so happy about um, people calling me. It's just, it's great. And I know that I don't, um, most frequently I don't pick up the phone when it rings because I don't have my phone hooked to my hip all day long but when I see that somebody called I um, I will typically text them or and or call them back so um, I love it so uh, that's what I'm doing and update tomorrow's the big day tomorrow is the MRI and I've been doing some research about um, Today I was listening to cognitive, like regression in um, 
stroke symptoms, post-stroke symptoms, and and how some people get worse, like will start improving up to like a year. And then there are times when their cognitive abilities start getting worse. So um, anyway, I'm trying to not, I'm only reading it to educate myself, not so that I can worry. Um, so I'm, I'm taking it all with a grain of salt. I like to listen to the research study articles, which I think maybe to most would be, uh, a little boring, but, um, but I like, I like to listen to those kinds of studies and how they carried them out and what the results were and stuff. So that's what I've got MRI tomorrow. So I got to get up at the crack of dawn, 515 tomorrow. So I'm trying to get to bed early. So thank you for listening. Wish me luck at my MRI and I will talk to you tomorrow.